0: The Beat of the Poi. It's one of the six disciplines performed on stage at Te Matatini, which took place this week in Wellington. Thousands descended upon the capital to see 46 groups from both here and Australia perform over the past few days. As part of this series, we join Riwiti Elliott, an ex-performer with Te or o Waikato, and a tutor of the Poi.
1: Poi. There's no bounds, it has no limits. Um, In regards to tikanga, I'm very very aware of um, literature that is being written by Ngāmoni Huata, Hāni Huata, around poi. But there are no specific, poi has no specific gender. Yes. And poi has no boundaries, so it's limitless. (laughs)
0: And we catch up with Tomika Few, who got his first taste of kapahaka with the group Ponamu, created by the late Dr Ngāpō Wehi.
2: They established um, Pounamu Māori performing at the Oklahoma Memorial Museum. This was a vision that uh, Uncle Bob had um, after attending uh, one of the first Te Māori exhibitions, as the story goes, sitting on the steps of the Metropolitan Museum in New York, where our taonga Māori, we've been... Um, Showcase uh, on that platform. Um, Uncle Bob came up with the dream and the idea of, of um, putting kapa haka in the museum back home.
0: Kuera te horopaki o ngā kai papa e harakeina. Yes, it's all about kapa haka. Kote riro iri o Aotearoa te rua nei. Justine Murray aho. This is RNZ. The early days of kapahaka festivals began in rural communities by tutors who saw kapahaka, Māori Performing Arts, as a vehicle for Māori language, whanaungatanga, a sense of Māori community and also tikanga or Māori Practices and Protocols. Dr Ngāpō Wehi, who passed away in 2016, along with his late wife Piemia, were both instrumental in creating kapohaka, both in rural Gisborne and urban Auckland, as both an art form and to entertain the crowds. In 1994, the late broadcaster Henare Teua interviewed him. Here, he talks about witnessing kapohaka grow in his hometown.
3: Yes, I remember in 1952, I think about the month of November, when all the pakeke from uh, that area got together and talked about holding a competition, and 1953 was the first one. Um, the competition was very tough. I mean, the eight teams there, you couldn't tell who was going to win. That's how tough it was. And me being a a fledgling, and of course, uh, Nen's uncles, Tikani Tehu, and... Uh, Baby Tihoe, uh, Ani Taihuka, Bill Kere Kere, They were all there. I was actually overawed by them. At times I felt like leaving the group, but I went back again and I've been in it ever since. I remember a gathering. It was quite secretive those days. All the groups that used to enter the competition wouldn't let anybody else know what they were doing. Uh, the competition was real high class. And... Uh, that particular year, the first year, I think there were one or two outsiders. And When I say outsiders, in-laws like myself, I think Pop Milner, Kapirangi. We were in uh, that lot. And then um, primarily it was all Te Atanga Mahi people. And after so many years there, they moved into town because the membership started to fall away. And then we took anybody who was interested. And in 1964, I think... 65. When Bill left to go to Wellington, we moved back out to the Marae. and we operated from there ever since. Our Nin and I left 1981, September 1981.
1: Was the Wahehe group in those days then made up virtually of members of different faro from the from the Marae area itself? Was it yes, that?
3: from the from the actual Wahehe people. Yes, and uh, they've always been good at singing. Why? Oh, I think the environment is cultivated there that, you know, if you've got singing parents or you've got parents who play the guitar, you provide whatever it is and they'll turn out like that. And so it was kind of part of the lifestyle.
0: Kia ora, Dr Wihi, a recording from 1994. Hugh first entered Kapahaka at the age of 17. Today the teacher remains part of Te Wakahuya and has been with them for the best part of 25 years. But he says that even though the face of haka has changed, the core values of the Auckland-based group itself hasn't. A few days out from this week's Tematatini I caught up with Tommy Kafu who talks about the influence both Bab and Ninwi continue to have on his Kapahaka career.
2: We have many sayings in, in club as we call ourselves, Tewakahuya, teachings or sayings that come from Uncle and Auntie, and one of them is um Haka So um, you know the traditions and the practices of our people are first and foremost in Tewakahuya. Um, and the actual Maori performing arts, Kapahaka, the secondary that. is closely uh, linked as they are. Um, tikanga for Uncle and was always paramount. If it might be that one of our members um, should be, you know, have a have a um, have a mati or bereavement within one of the members of uh, the membership, um, Tikanga Tikanga Maori um, says you go to the tangi. So. Those are some of the things that really stick out with me. no here, ahaqa Regardless of where you were from or who you were, uh, you were welcome. Um, often people over the years would say, "Oh, do you have to audition to get into Tuvalu <laughs> here?" Yeah, absolutely not. Um, wow. It really, it, it really, seriously was an open door policy. People were welcome. That's the type of people they were. So these are the lessons that. With me today, still, is you know, um, that sense of community, um, that idea of yeah, sharing and teaching for um, you know the betterment of self and others.
0: And so it was much deeper than obviously haka. it went further than that.
2: Yeah, yeah that's right. So that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Mm. I
4: mean,
2: um, probably the biggest takeaways or, or benefits, uh, I would say, for us as Kali haka of Tawakahuya. Are again um, those tikanga, those values uh, that uncle um, and auntie we are really staunch in and holding, maintaining and and um, passing on.
0: So Tomika, I mean, going back to I mean, obviously you know that was the start of your kapahaka career, basically. So in your in your um, view, how has the teaching styles, methods, discipline, commitment changed over time?
4: A oh,
2: huge question, yeah. <laughs> huge question, Justine. Um, I could answer both ways and say in many ways it's changed um, significantly mm. um, and significantly in, well, yeah, in many ways um, Kapahaka Māori performing arts has changed significantly um, but then I could say in terms of Te Waka huia, uh, not much has changed. So uh, Te Waka is now in its, let's say, second era of leadership so when we look at the history of Napo and Pimiya
4: mm-hmm. and
2: Waitiri, um, where uh, the Lake Pimiya, where he was from, uh, Waitiri, the group had um, three eras of leadership: so, and then followed by Nen um, Nenwhe, and then followed by George um, and Tony Wairia. Um, the mantle of leadership has been passed down to um, uh, one of the six, one of their six children, um, uh, younger son. Tape and his wife, Annette Wehi. So, uh, and just coming back to your question, how has, how has Kapahaka changed in my 25-odd years? Yes. Well, in terms of Te Waka huia, not too much. Not too much. Not too much because, you know, legacy is a word that we um, carry and use, and and part of our, our, our tikanga, our legacy, is just to maintain... Um, uh, those practices that could only shared with club probably obvious changes as choreography wise yeah you know just lots of movements I remember in my high school days in the eighties yeah you know if a, if a group if a group split in half and then came back together that was fantastic I mean, <laughs> that
0: yes goes, that was like whoa was
2: like a real huge wow did you see that they split <laughs> in half and then they went back together. I've noticed, you know, in, in recent years, maybe the last decade, there's theatre. Yeah. theatre, there's, you know, um, in the retelling of stories of tribal histories, you might have individuals in a performance, you know, acting out, you know, yes. an ancestor. Yep. Or you might have individuals acting out on stage during a kapahaka performance. You know, that's that's just one example of a development of Maori performing arts is um, theatre in that sort of sense coming in. You mentioned earlier physicality yes um, uh, physicality in terms of well so talking about um you know uh, choreography with that comes you know physicality and the uh, Kai Haka performer you know needing to be um able to to um execute pull off you know the requirements of those of 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 whatever choreography a group might. I might put together.
0: I mean, do you feel as a kaihaka, Tomika, who has had a long career in haka and and top level um, haka, if I can use the words top level, um, do you find the, is there there a certain pressure every wananga, every um, muster every two years? Is is there the pressure to kind of, um, you know, maintain that peak level of, I suppose, um, fitness?
2: Well, I used the word legacy earlier.
4: Hmm. And
2: so certainly there's a, not, I don't know if it's pressure, or there's certainly for those of us who who value, um, we value the teachings of our club, and I'm sure a lot of kaihaka and other groups would be similar as well in terms of um, valuing these little houses of learning that we all belong to across the mutu. I yeah. think what comes with that is, is a sense of responsibility. So I don't know if it's pressure, um, but certainly just as Maori ourselves, you know, we're staunch to our, our own Marae, our own hapu, our own iwi. And so when we enter these groups, whether they're uh, tribal groups or, or pan tribal groups like Tewogia, yeah there's a sense of duty to be able to to uphold, you know, Temunol Te, te roku, uh the Manal standing of the group and, and all all of the, the dynamics and aspects and that uh, that are that are held within the group. So there's that aspect, um, pressure. Yeah, not just our group, but I would say with groups that are, um, are performing at the elite level of the, um, of the league. Mm. Say. Our people are, are incredible mathematicians in terms of measuring one another. A lot of uh, groups who, who have had success or do well, speaking for ourselves, I would imagine have a sense of pressure uh, in terms of um, in the Māori performing arts, you know, there's a viewing audience, and it's an audience that is um, can be very critical, and um, and critical. I'm not saying it's negative; it could be critical in a passionate. I love huck is critical, and so you'll always have that um, measurement or comparison to past performances, is what I'm talking about. Yes, we try to bring out our best again. Coming back to the teachings of Uncle and Auntie, um, it was about you know doing your best every time you step out and perform. They would talk about um, us standing, you know, first and foremost as um, uh, representatives of our own whanau and our own marae, hapu and iwi. Um, and then uh, within our group as Te Ropu Te so, um, Waka always So it was always important to be able to um, do your best every time
0: Tēnā koe, Tomika Fiu, member of Auckland-based Kapahaka Group, te wakahuia. Reweti Elliott is a student, an early childhood education teacher and a tutor of the poi. For this year's Te Matatini campaign, he choreographed two poi – the first for Waikato-based Te Tika and the second for Tauranga moana based Tūtara Kawika Kirangataua. Reweti is an ex-performer with Te or Waikato and Te Pau or Mangatawhiri. When it comes to the poi, Reweti believes that there is no gender bias. Waikato University in itself is quite steeped in reo and Kapahaka. So how did you branch into the area of Māori Performing Arts?
1: Um, when I, I've always had a passion for um, ngā mahi here, at tāne rore. So when I moved to Waikato, it was, a, so I suppose, a passion of mine to join Te Wharewānau or Waikato. They already were well established at the time. And I think for me it was more based around te reo, te mm. reo Māori, mm. and specifically knowing that that group was taken by exponents of te reo Māori.
0: Like Sir Timiti Karetu. Aye. Oh, no.
1: Was he there?
0: Was he...
1: he was still there, still running the reins. <laughs> um, not so much as it was in the previous years, um, but um, Te Pepesh mm. um was still a part of the, the the Rupu at that time, Timoti, and he was giving the reins over to Joe Harawira from yes. Whakatane and um, yeah. Ngarengi Katipa from um, Waikato.
0: When you were a member um, in your days of uh, with, with Waikato and Te Pau what did you have a, 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 some sort of tutor role then or some sort of a, um, leadership role in terms of the poi?
1: My role in Te Pau Tafiri, specifically creating poi, was to... Um, I had time slots that I was allowed, um, that I was given, sorry, um, to teach the woman the poi. So I created every single poi of Topo Paua Manga since their inception or the beginning, right up until 2015.
0: So, you know, Rewiti, in the past few years, there has been the issue of... Um, Boys with the poi, and as we know in our history, men did use the poi because they would wield weapons, and that was a means of working their wrists and arm work. But what was it about the poi that kind of you gravitated towards? Obviously, that you would end up teaching it.
1: I suppose for me, in regards to that discipline, the poi, there's no bounds; it has no limits. Um, in regards to tikanga, I'm very, I, I'm very aware of um, literature that has been written by Ngāmori Huata, Hāni Huata um, around Poi but there are no specific Poi has no specific gender and Poi has no boundaries, so it's limitless so being a creator for me to forge the way ahead um, for any group that I'm participating with is um, to create new things and and new items or new actions um, that sort of wow the the audience, the watching audience.
0: How do you come up with your um, creative work?
1: The the, the majority of the creativity stems from my job. Um, Being an early childhood teacher or a trained teacher, I work in early childhood. So when the children are playing the poi and I watch them and I interpret those actions and there's a lot of actions that can be interpreted from watching tamariki play with those taonga. So I have specific actions that I give to specific teams. Um, Ah, This current matatini, I've got two poi that will be hitting the stage. Um, One's done by Te Itikahurangi, and that's about the um, kereru. And the other poi is for Tūtaakaika, Ki So I've worked with both teams for this build-up for this um, nationals. It's been great, great experience.
0: Do you step it up a notch versus the last time you created a poi, or how does that work? Is it just basically the same methodology that you have?
1: I sit with the composer and he tells me their vision and their story and what he would like to see. So I work with the composer and their vision, and I interpret that vision. And then I present it back to them, and from there, then we start putting um, my work and that vision together to create that item.
0: Does every, does every movement have a particular, we say, well, what does that movement mean? So if you have a kupu, say, moana, would your movement kind of emulate the moana, or is it not that simple?
1: Um, it can, but it, if you want to emulate the moana, there are various ways you can do that, specifically with poi. Um, you can um, have what we call syncopated beats to emulate the sound of the moana, you know, or do you want the visuals of the moana, or, or you're looking at um, the tide crashing on the shore, so it depends on your vision. On when you tell me about the moana, there's various ways you can portray that 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 specific um, move or kupu.
0: So you know, when you're in the audience watching, um, you know what what do you think of as, as a person that has choreographed a particular item like the poi?
1: Um, I have been what I call, I call, I call those types of people scouts. So. Scouts. Yeah, so my job is to go out into the audience and watch the day's um, proceedings and give feedback um, to the, the kapa or the tutors of the kapa. Um So specifically what I look for is something that stands out. And when I'm talking about something that stands out, poise a very easy item that we fall into this category where Um, it's looking a lot more flashy now. The moves are absolutely amazing, which I absolutely love. But for me, as somebody who creates, I always remember that I'm not the one performing the poi. So when I create actions and they're quite flashy and they're quite um, out there, um, I always need to draw it back and think that I've got 20 women performing this poi. And if one of them can't pull it off, that one woman could possibly be their weakest link. So I try and avoid those scenarios. And everything regarding poi, for me, um, those exponents such as the Te people, absolutely wonderful, as well as, you know, there's some um, up-and-coming young generation exponents in poi nowadays. But for me, uh, I think I have a more of a mature flavour where it's just... I would say 80s, 90s styled and themed. Yes. I have a signature that I just like everybody else. So my signature is. Um,
0: oh, like so you have a.
1: Syncopated beat. So in every point that I perform, there's a syncopated beat in all of them.
0: And by that? What do you mean?
1: So I have a beat that goes on an off beat.
0: Beat that goes on an
1: off beat. And I break the rows up, and they do each do different beats. And when you put that beat, combine that one beat together, it makes the whole beat for the, the tune of the song. Um, so I have that in every poi.
0: Are you part of a? Um, are there a, uh, like the, the likes of yourself being tane and working and teaching the poi? Uh, are there many of men, Māori men, that are teaching poi?
1: There are thousands and, and uh, hundreds, or hundreds of men that yes. are exponents in poi. But I, I think one thing I need to clarify is this. One thing on being an exponent in poi and the other thing on being a creator in poi. Yes, yes, yes. So I create poi, I can do poi, I do poi every single day, but I would not be able to perform one because I'm not a performer, I'm a creator. Whereas other people, other males, you have males who are performers but are unable to create.
0: Ah, okay, so therein lies the difference. You know, kapahaka, what, what does kapahaka mean to you?
1: I suppose a kapahaka is a, a vehicle for me, a, a vehicle in a way which we can express issues of the time, where we can express our culture in an arena where it's embraced and celebrated. Kapahaka is the definition of being Māori for me, um, because there's no other stage or place like this where we can all come together and celebrate us, in regards, I mean saying us, Māori, and matatini, you know, every year the level gets higher and higher, it's harder for me to keep up with that level, but in regards for people like Kingi Kiriona, who I've discussed this with, what Kingi loves about my style is the maturity of the style, because everyone's focusing towards the more flashy moves, and It's sort of swaying more towards what looks like a secondary school. So he loves that style that I have. One, you know, there's going to be a time when I need to go out to pasture. That that time is coming.
0: (laughs) Will you step into a group? Have you ever been asked to hold?
1: I have been asked to step into a group, but like everyone, I think everyone who's performed knows that with kapahaka comes a lot of dedication, comes a lot of your time and giving up things that, you know, otherwise you wouldn't give up. And also comes a lot of... Um, yeah, different level, eh? It's a different level. Yeah.
0: Because you can plan around the wānanga and you can go to specific noho and teach rather than... Um, so,
1: you know, Timothy Kareti wrote a Whakawātia for Te Whare wānanga in Waikato in 1998 and it was specifically, uh, specifically about haka and what a kai haka has to endure. So for six months, 40 mm. people have to stay together. We have to get on. You know, and within those six months that we're in each other's faces, not everything is always glorious and happy. <laughs> that's right. So we have our, our, our little spats or our arguments, you know, um, that's, we have our in house little things going on, clicks, sort of right up until the end that the whole weight of the kappa comes together. But I, for me, the journey, I loved the journey, but I don't think I'd be able to do it because going in and out of kappa now. Um, there's no politics for me, there's no, I don't have to stay there. It's on my terms.
0: Kue, Elliot, and we heard from Tomika Few. Also thanks to Ngā Sound and Vision for the 1994 recording of the late Dr Po Wehi. <laughs>
1: The Matatini for me represents um, our culture. It's a way of embracing our culture and our heritage and it's a platform to allow for our whanau, for our people to be able to display that culture uh, in a safe way and display it kidal.
0: Matatini, Kapahaka, what it means to me is it's our culture, um, the pillar to who we are. Is our Maori. I'm not much of a kapahaka person, um, but when I do see um, kapa performances, um, I'm always I'm always blown away by by the the beauty, the waiata. Um, I know it touches me. It touches my it, That's how I feel.
1: Kapa Maori in New Zealand. kapahaka is the essence of Maori and our ability to challenge, perform, and represent. Winner, loser, it doesn't matter. It's getting there, it's doing it. It's rebuilding those relationships between our wider hapu and iwi. And at the end of the day, we are the only people who can do it.
0: We tata tō nei wahanga mo wiki, that's the show for another week. Of course, a big congratulations to the winners of this year's Te Matatini in Wellington. The next one will be held in 2021, Tāmiki Makaurau, Auckland City. He mihi to kia koutou katoa, kua mai o koutou tāringa. Hoki mai a wiki e tu mai nei. Mauri tu, mauri ora.